One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome. To the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, always opposite me via the means of Zoom software. Blake Harrison. Hello. <laughs> Software. Yes. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. I said that like we're, uh, we're sponsored by Zoom. Uh, we're really not. I mean, if Zoom, if you're listening. But we are open. Uh, we're open to yeah, it. Tweet in, Zoom. Come on, Zoom. <laughs> How are you? You all right? Yes, I'm good. I am good. We've got, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We're doing uh, two episodes this week. We've got this episode, which is our uh, kind of news of what's been going on lately. The mm-hmm. last weekend, UFC, mm-hmm. Cage Warriors, Arnold Allen, all that jazz. Uh, and uh, and then we're having another episode that we're releasing this week that's our build-up to UFC 281, Adesanya Pereira, which is an absolutely stacked card. So after you've listened to this episode, hopefully our other one will be releasing very, very shortly if it's not already, so go and listen to that one as well. But for now, we're talking uh, we're talking all things over the last couple of weeks, UFC, Cage Warriors and all that. Where, where do you think we should start, Stu Whiffin? Uh, we should head over to, uh, I, I think, Ipswich, and let's talk about Arnold Allen. Oh, yes, please. That, so Arnold Allen, Calvin Cater was last uh, weekend. Didn't end in the way that I think people were hoping for or expecting, because I think everyone thought this was going to be an absolute like five-round banger, mm. a really fantastic fight. And the first round was was great, but at the end of that first round, Calvin Cater tries to throw some kind of flying knee, lands really awkwardly on his leg, somehow survives the round after Arnold kind of follows him to the ground, is beating him up a bit. I think maybe he tries to lock on either a, a, a dart or a guillotine mm. or something. Uh, but Cater survives, comes out for round two. Looks like he's walking around all right on the he leg. He looked like he shook it off, didn't he? He did, yeah. But uh, but Alan landed, uh, I think, a, a, a calf kick to his left leg. But then as he stepped back on his right leg, which was the injured leg, I think, he just he just crumbled. And, uh, and that was it. And we've seen a few of these lately. We mm. saw it earlier that night with, I think, Phil... Well, Phil Hawes had his, had his leg popped by uh, Delize. Uh, so that was kind of more of a an injury that's happened because of something that the opponent had done. But then didn't we have something uh, uh, last night uh, at the UFC? We had Derek Minna. Yeah, it seemed to sort of nothing really happened. And then his leg went. We're having a few of them lately, but let's let's stick with Cater and Allen. Um, Firstly, how do you think Alan looked in that first round? Because I thought he looked phenomenal. I thought absolutely amazing. And and I think I'm loving our, our confident, Arnold is with his... I mean, you know his wrestling's good. And I'm just loving how confident he is. Obviously, on the back of the, the hooker fight, we've seen that he's got explosive speed and, and, and power in them hands. And he seems like he really wants to, to show it now. And and KR, serious hands. And, like, Arnold was not... Did not look like he was, you know, anything like he was going to take him to the ground. He was like, let's stand and trade. And I think we had the makings of an absolute banger. And obviously, we know... Uh, Calvin Caters, no, you know, not afraid to get involved in a, in, in a bang as we saw with Max. And I think it would just be a an incredible thing to have seen that have gone more than what we did. But the thing that I want to talk about is none of the 
the the, the people um, ringside seemed to. I mean, obviously, it was terrible what happened, and and neither of them fires obviously. Kate, I wouldn't have wanted that, but obviously Arnold wouldn't have wanted to have won like that. But I think there should be some more attention placed on the fact that had that flying knee been thrown and it connected with with Arnold, probably wouldn't have landed like that. The fact that Arnold's footwork is so good that he wasn't there when he threw that knee, I think is very much... Like part of the 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 reason why that that obviously a, a, a knee popping or whatever it was that went is 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 terrible. No one wants to see that. But I do think that a lot of Arnold's movement kind of forced him to to miss and to probably try and reset as he was landing to to because Arnold wasn't where he thought he was going to be. So I do think that uh, some some credit should be given to uh, not only a, a brilliant first round from Arnold Allen, uh, but just. His footwork—it it was phenomenal, and and I and I'm gutted. I, I, don't get me wrong; when it finished, I was like, "Excellent, Arnold's still unbeaten." You know, he's he's on that tear. Like, let's 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 just see this. You know, this story continue. And and I was happy that I could just go asleep and not be thinking, "Oh no, Arnold's like lost his, <laughs> his winning streak." <laughs> but the thing that oh, do you know, I want to talk about the post fight. But talk me through what you made of the fight. Well, I, I thought the first half of the fight felt pretty balanced even. Mm-hmm. They were maybe feeling each other out a bit. You get that a lot in the first rounds of, of five-round fights. But then all of a sudden, I can't remember what instigated it. I don't know if Cater maybe landed a half-decent shot. And then Alan went, oh, fuck this then. Let's let's pick this up a bit. Yeah. And, and, which makes me think of fight IQ as well. Just like fighters need to realize how fights are scored. And taking rounds off or, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I, I think more and more fighters need to start going. Fights are scored round by round and they're scored on damage. So if you take a shot, get it back in that round. Don't wait till the next round or the next round and looking for finishes and what, well, obviously you always want to look for finishes, but I just think more and more can be said of fighters that go sort of, you don't want to do it in a distracting way, but like keeping a rough score in your head of like, oh, I've just taken a big shot. So that they're probably now up on the scorecards. Let me make sure I get that back. And that's what I felt like I saw from Arnold. He got clipped with a big shot. And then all of a sudden he just really picked up the pace and he landed a few big combos. Again, that footwork that you were mentioning, he was moving at speed. And I felt like Cater was struggling towards the end of that round. And that's why in desperation, he sort of threw this flying knee that was nowhere near Arnold. Arnold, Arnold moved that the way of it very easily. Um, and that led to a problem. Now, that's not me saying that Arnold caused the, the knee popping, that there must have been something there prior or whatever, that, you know, that something must have been going on there. And it's really disappointing that it ended the way it did. But I look at that first round and I think to myself, and I know Cater is a really game fighter. He can go five rounds. He went with Max, even though he was getting smashed from pillar to post. But I really think you would have seen a truly dominant performance from Arnold. I think he only would have got better and better and better. And I think he really, really would have gone on and cemented himself in that fight. I know that's conjecture. We'll never know. But yeah, I I thought his performance was phenomenal. I, I thought he did really, really well in that first round. And I felt like he was only going to continue to improve. Moving on to uh, the kind of post-fight stuff, I felt like he dealt with that incredibly well as well. He was really um, honest about the performance and about the fact that, you know, a finish like that is not necessarily going to get you a title shot immediately. I mean, he spoke about the fact that, you know, the divisions had some bad luck recently. We had... Yair Brian Ortega ending a, a dodgy kind of like dislocated shoulder from Ortega in the first round. We had uh, Emmett versus Cater. And uh, even though I think I scored that fight for Emmett, it was a very, very close fight. A lot of people scored that fight for Calvin Cater. So that's one of those kind of like controversial split decision wins. And now we've had this situation with Arnold where uh, it's it's another injury that's caused this this problem. And not to mention as well, we were supposed to get... Um, Movsar Evloev against Bryce Mitchell uh, uh, the other day on, on Saturday. 
But that fight fell through. Now Bryce Mitchell's taking on Ilya Taporia in a few weeks. Another equally brilliant fight. But the featherweight division has had a lot of bad luck lately in terms of trying to get these number one contenders up there for, for Volkanovski. Uh, and this was another example of that. But Arnold dealt with it really well in the post-fight interview, kind of highlighting that and not kind of dancing around and saying, yeah, I deserve a title shot off the back of that and blah, blah, blah. You know, he was very, as Arnold always is, very nice, very humble, sometimes almost to his detriment. I, I, I really, I think he did better than he has done in previous post-fight things where he's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'll do whatever the UFC tell me. But I think now... He has to be the first name on the contract for an interim title shot. I think 10-fight UFC win streak doesn't matter what's just happened with Cater. It doesn't matter about kind of the, oh, but he's not beat someone that's currently in the top five or something like that. Volkanovski's moving up. He's going up to lightweight. He's taking on Makachev. We need a a clear-cut number one contender shot, and it makes sense to do it an interim title because Volkanovski said he's happy for an interim title to be made. It makes it clear. He doesn't feel disrespected by that. So give the fighter some more money, give him a title shot, and make it, you know, give put a second uh, belt on the line at hopefully that new UFC London pay-per-view event that'll be headlined by Leon Edwards and and Kamara Usman. Um, So, yeah, I mean... I'm assuming you're in the same boat as me that you think if there's an interim title shot, Arnold Allen should be the first name on the contract. Who's Josh the other Emmett. name on the contract? Josh you think Josh Emmett, not yeah. not Yair Rodriguez. No, Emmett. I think like you know, the, they're the two quiet men in the division that have earned earned their stripes, and I think like yeah, that's that's the fight I'd like to see. Um, maybe I'm a little bit favouring that because they're both uh, friends of the show. But uh, that's the fight I'd like to see. And and I do think, just to touch on that post-fight, it would have been weird, and, and it would have been weird just to have heard Arnold Allen start screaming, give me the shot, because that's not who Arnold Allen is. Yeah. Uh, but I think he was very respectful in, in regards to... He got the win, like... And he... Obviously not Harry wanted it, and it would have been weird to have just started kind of making these big call-outs and stuff to, you know, on the back of that win because he was obviously disappointed. And, but I do think, I know what you're saying about the fact that he highlighted just, you know, the the, the state of the division really and, and, and what's been happening with it. And I, I do think he could have been a little bit more forthright with what he wants and but I just know that that's not who he is, is it? He's he's just such a chilled out character. And I think Bispin was almost it was Bispin that was interviewing, wasn't it? And and I, I think yeah. Bispin was sort of like just trying to push him and lead him into sort of saying something yeah. a little bit more salacious, maybe. And yeah. and it just and it, and it's just not who it is, but who he is. Sorry, but yeah, I I think it would have been a good thing to have just said, look, you know. We all know what's going on. And I know in the end he sort of went, yeah, all right, yeah, g- give me Volk. But I think he would have been wise to have just gone, do you know what? I think the interim's a good idea. Me, Josh Emmett, let's do it. And like, yeah. and just, just throwing that out there. Well, I, I agree. I think Josh Emmett is the other one that should be on the other side of that contract. I, I mean, but I know Yair is a really big name. And yes, he's a very, very fun fighter to watch. And he's a, he's a bigger name than Emmett and probably Arnold. But... You look at Jair's recent record. He he has that odd win against Brian Ortega, which technically counts as a win, but it was a shoulder injury from Ortega. Mm-hmm. It's not like a proper win. Then there's a loss to Max Holloway. And then you have to go back to 2019, three years ago against Jeremy Stevens. It, it doesn't sound like... Uh, is that a any guy more that credible should be getting than, a title shot than Calvin Kr and and Dan Hooker? You know, it, it's it's just as, as as valid, isn't it? You know, you look at Arnold's at, like I know you mentioned earlier about Arnold's not beating anyone in the top five, but when you compare that to Yair's record, there's not a lot of difference in it. You know, they've, they've... well, no, but but I'm more talking about the time frame. Mm. Like at 29, like Arnold Allen beat Dan Hooker back in March. Mm. And I know that he's not the most active of fighters, but he, you know, he's got a win against guys, you know, that are good fighters every year or whatever. Yair, not really a win against Brian Ortega. Lost to Max Holloway in 2021. I get it was a great fight and Max is Max, so there's no shame in that. 
But then you have to go back to 2019 to Jeremy Stevens win. Then there's no contest against Jeremy Stevens. 2018, that amazing, what was, I don't know if it was my second or whatever knockout of all time in UFC, that crazy upwards elbow mm-hmm. against Korean Zombie. And then prior to that, 2017, lost against Frankie Edgar. So in his last five fights, not including the no contest, he's three and two. Arnold Allen's on a 10-fight UFC win streak. I think Josh Emmett is on something like a five or six-fight yeah. UFC win streak. I know, again, the Calvin Cater one was controversial, but it wasn't a robbery. It was a split decision, and I think I actually scored it for Emmett. So, again, I, I, for me, it should be cut and dry, Arnold versus Emmett, and I think that's a great co-main event for April oh. or March, whenever they decide to do the, the London pay-per-view. I think or it may not be London, it might be uh, Cardiff or wherever, because I know Dana White has said he needs a roof if he's doing like something, a big stadium show. Um, But uh, yeah, I think there's there's already a pay-per-view booked for March. So I don't know whether the UFC would do uh, a a UK pay-per-view event in the same month, because they usually do come for a fight night in March. But I don't know whether they would do that with a pay-per-view because there's already a pay-per-view booked for March. And that's a a lot asking UFC fans, particularly in the States to pay their $80 or whatever it is twice that month for pay-per-view. So I wonder if they might shift it to April or or something like that, but we'll have to wait and see. But, um, but yeah, I think we've covered all the Alan stuff, unless there's anything else you want to mention. No, no. Uh, Should we talk uh, a bit of cage warriors? Yeah, boy, let's do that. So you went, I went. I was there. Me and my brother was there. You were working, sadly. But uh, but it was a fun event. It was really good. I mean, the last Cage Warriors event we went to was proper in, like, the lockdown. And it was just, like, me, you, and a couple of randoms looking over the balcony. I mean, it was quite amazing. I mean, even just the slams. I, I remember hearing, I think it was Sam Creasy against maybe Aaron Abbey or something like that, just picking him up and slamming him down relentlessly. And you could just hear it echo throughout this kind of empty York Hall. Mm. Um, but we should and- say that that event, we saw an Irishman put on a display that's probably, that probably took him to the UFC. And I think we probably saw that again this weekend. I and think- bizarrely, we saw Paul Hughes that night... In the yes. corner of Ian Gary, yeah. because I don't know what if, if anybody ever got to the, the, the bottom of it, but it was looking like Ian Gary wasn't going to end up being able to fight because he had no corner. There'd obviously been some situation yeah. with his team, and they'd, they'd just gone. And uh, and there was all rumours that, oh, maybe Brad Pickett could jump in and corner him for this fight, and then that didn't I, happen. I think Ian told... Graham Boyle, I think he had told Graham Boyle, oh, Brad Pickett's going to corner me. Because Graham was like, you can't fight if you don't have a corner. And then Graham spoke to Brad. And Brad was like, no one said anything to me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think Ian's just <laughs> trying to clamber his way into the shot, which again shows the, the balls on the man that is yeah. like, I'm just going to lie and just try and keep this going. And then he ends up getting Paul Hughes in his corner, as you say, which is... Uh, which is funny, but yeah, it's uh, it's working out. It works out well for Paul Hughes and the Irish guys when uh, one of us is in the audience. I think absolutely. Um, Should we start but, um, with, with with the big fight? Go on then. Let's start with the big the big fight. Uh, I mean, I, my heart went out to Jordan. That was my main emotion throughout that. Like Jordan's been on the show a couple of times. He's a lovely guy. He's got uh, he's he's just had his son. He's got a stepson as well. Like he's a really good bloke and a very very talented fighter. He's got some heart, that boy. But Jesus Christ, Paul was unbelievable. Paul was just, that, that first round I gave to Jordan, and Absolutely. it was close, but I gave it to Jordan. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Paul Hughes put on a, a brutal display. I mean, Jordan's face was just swollen and cut and red. I, like, my brother was with me. He said he's never seen so much blood like live in a fight. He was like, he couldn't believe how much blood. And he, this is a guy that watches MMA semi-regularly, you know. He watches boxing, he likes all that stuff. He's not squeamish at all. But he was like, I have never seen that much blood. And it was really, like, I think Paul Hughes landed, like, a big left hook maybe in the third that really cut him open. There were some knees earlier on as well. It was just, yeah, it it was it was brutal to watch when you've sort of built a, a, a relationship with a fighter and we've had Paul on as well. I'm a big fan mm. of Paul as well. What I sent them uh, both a message to say good luck before the fight and everything. Um, 
But I have expected you watched it, it to back be since you have you watched it again? N- no, I haven't watched it again. Because uh, uh, well, no, I, I thought the second round was pretty close, um, uh, and and I think he then took it up a notch, and and uh, and, and I'm taking nothing away from from Paul Hughes. It, it was it was really impressive, really impressive. Like, um, and I think uh, I think Jordan just couldn't get his his strikes off the way that he was wanting. I think Paul Hughes was just that that little gear above him that night. And I think it, it was just too much. And it was so, I think it was when he walked back to his, his corner, Jordan in the, before the last round, maybe on my, even at the end of the third. And he was just head, like literally his whole face was just covered in blood. And it looked like saying, I think Brad Wharton even said, it looks like saying out of a horror film. It was like, Oh my God. And like, it yeah. was one of those situations where I felt like the corner could have stopped it. I, 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 it's you? just one of those. Yeah, I, I, I know there was a lot on the line, but I was watching that fight, and I don't think the fifth round was necessary. I know it went to a decision, and look, all heart to Jordan, but all that heart and all that everyone saying, "God, what a warrior he is," and "Oh, what a tough guy," blah blah blah. That is not going to repair the scar tissue or the brain damage or any of that stuff from what takes place in the fifth round or later in that fourth round or anything like that. I think we should see more towels thrown in in MMA. I think there's moments, I particularly remember Anthony Smith, Glover Teixeira. I think this is one of those moments as well. I think corners could do a little bit more. I know there's so much on the line. I get it. If if Jordan pulls out some miracle Leon Edwards style head kick in the fifth round and he's getting beat, then he's off to the UFC and you don't want to rob him of that potential moment. But I don't Leon think Le- wasn't, Leon wasn't getting Leon, them strikes. Leon wasn't battered and bloody and just caked in blood and, and all that stuff. I'd, I'd rather see a corner throw in the towel, a fighter be a little bit upset about it. Cause of course they're going to be there a fighter, but you know, be a little bit upset about it, whatever. But the corner go, look, we've just got your best interest at heart. And the long- Jordan's only about 26 years old. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He can fight for another 10 years. Mm -hmm. But if he has wars like that regularly, which I know this is like a one-off, but I, I, I think he could have been saved from himself a little bit. And they could have maybe thrown the towel. Maybe I'm being a bit too soft. I don't know. Because again, because we've spoken to Jordan a couple of times, you have that extra thing of like knowing these guys, wanting to see them do well, and definitely not wanting to see them in the state that Jordan was in by the end of that fight. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, live to fight another day. You, I don't think there was any chance coming out for that fifth round that Jordan was winning that fight. No. So Paul Hughes was just dominating him in 
in every area of that fight, Paul was dominating. And, I don't... and again, the the face, it was just yeah. I, I I think I think it could have been stopped. But look, as I say, maybe that's me being soft. Uh, no, I, I I tend to agree with you. I think that Paul Hughes looked fresh coming out in that fifth round. He was smiling. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, they, there was there was lots of chatting going on, and, and props to Jordan as well. Whenever they were chatting, he was still smiling, even though his face, you know, a, a took a, a beat down. Um, I don't think coming out for that fifth, it obviously Jordan had to get the knockout to win uh, mm-hmm. or the submission. And I just I I couldn't see it happening. Like, no, and and I, and I think. That's when maybe the corner makes a decision. But when you imagine, as we've seen so many people that were there, you was there, saying one of the greatest atmospheres that a Cage Warriors events ever had. You know, it was such, you know, it was the biggest rematch in, in Cage Warriors history. There was so much riding on it. You know, once you, I know fighter safety is paramount, obviously. But once you're in that moment and everything's, you know, cranked up to 11 and, and everything's rolling, it would take a brave corner man to go nah like yeah, uh, it would but your oh, your main concern is fighter safety always, and also do, do do that thing of like let's make him let's save him from this next five minutes or whatever it is because you know it'll be healthier down the line the longevity of his career it's not just about that one night you yes. know jordan is two free wins away from making it to the UFC, he was on our show. Uh, if, if, if he now fights for a vacant belt against, say, a Harry Hardwick, who I'm sure we'll talk about later, then he wins the belt, he defends it once or twice because he might have to do that. Um, that's it, UFC. Or he might get a late-notice replacement or a Dana White contender series or something. Like that. He can still make He's 26 years old. He can still make it to the UFC despite losing that fight. And those last five minutes, I don't think did him any kind of favors in terms of his like longevity and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the other I don't thing know if that conversation sh- was had. That conversation may have been had. He, did his corner say to him, "You know, do you think you've got? Do you think you could pull this out the bag? Do you?" Well, a fighter's always going to say that. yes, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so again, so it's your it's your job, I think, to save them for themselves. And look, I've got nothing against Jordan's corner. I mean, it, I just. That's just again. That's my my opinion as someone that's never been in the cage, has never done a ten week training camp for a fight of this magnitude. So I could be wrong, but I just that from from just a fan's perspective and someone that sort of got to know Jordan a little bit, I just thought let's just let's just be done with it now. Let's let's recover and go again down the line and again. The UFC is not the only place. I know Jordan said it's UFC or bust for him. And if that's what he wants, fair enough. But he could have a good career and earn some good money in the likes of PFL, Bellator and and all those other organizations as well. But to echo what you said, it's not the end of the UFC road yet for him. He's he's young and he's a killer. And and if anything, he'll he'll, he'll draw from what he's just uh, gone through with, with, with Paul Hughes. Paul Hughes, we... Imagine he's going to, you know, follow the path of an, an Ian Gary and so many other uh, champs yeah. and, and, and make that road to the UFC. Uh, super excited to see that. We spoke a lot about Jordan, and I think we should sort of talk about the future yes, for, you're right. for Paul Hughes because incredible performance. You know, bought over half of Ireland to to uh, to the Indigo by the looks of things. I mean, it sounded like the the Irish fans were in, in fine voice, yep. like. They were, they were in fine voice. Uh, and it was a good night for them all around. Like the Shelley brothers won. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they, they had a few victories. Uh, uh, Colin Lochran. Oh my God. He looked phenomenal as well. So yeah, but let's stick Seven with Paul and o, Hughes. But, that, that boy's yeah, a killer. Yeah. We'll get onto him in a bit as well. But, um, but yeah, no, Paul Hughes looked phenomenal. And the other thing is I spoke to a couple of his team afterwards briefly. And they said he didn't have the greatest camp. Like there was a few things and I was wondering, like there was a couple of shows that he didn't go on that Jordan did, including our own and stuff like that. And I was wondering, is something going on here? Is he, is he all right? Because obviously he's had the neck injuries and stuff like that. But as far as I'm aware, he didn't have the best camp. There was a couple of concerns injury wise and, and, and stuff like that. And he still put on this absolutely incredible performance. Like I was speaking to a few people before the fight 
And they were saying, if Jordan wins, he's going UFC. If Paul wins, he might need the defense. Is he at the level of Jordan yet? Because Jordan's defended the belt and all that stuff, and he's the undisputed champ, whereas Paul's just interim. He might need to defend the belt if he wins and become undisputed and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But personally, I think given the level of Jordan and the absolutely brutal, phenomenal display that Paul put on, I don't think he does need a title defense. I think he absolutely can just go straight to the UFC now. Uh, I think he's proven that he's ready for it. Yeah. Uh, because no one does that to Jordan. Um, so, yeah, he's he's clearly improved so much from the first fight. Because I think Jordan's probably improved from the first fight. And the, the, the gap between them was massive on Friday night. So I, I, I personally think get get Paul straight in the UFC. I don't know whether it's contender series or whether it's just a proper contract, whatever it is, but give, give Paul his shot in the UFC. Now I think he's, I think he's earned it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's what should be next for Paul. Hopefully when I was talking to a couple of members of his team and they were talking about how it wasn't the best camp at the end, hopefully there's no real injury concerns, nothing too lingering, nothing that would keep him, out of training or anything for too long because I think the momentum is is there now and I think the time is now to strike if they can. If they can get him a fight soon in the UFC uh, in whatever fashion it can be, uh, go for it now because that, that man is on fire. That was a phenomenal performance. For me... Oh, and one more thing. Sorry, I just had to say this because <laughs> I've never seen this before in my life and I can't believe I was going to open with this. Between, I don't know if it was around three or four or four and five, we were directly behind Paul Hughes's corner. So Paul walked towards uh, the corner and did the biggest gob you've ever seen in your life after like opening uh, Jordan up quite badly. It was like as long as my forearm and it hit the cage and just hung from the cage <laughs> for the remainder of the fight. And it was all bloody. And I'm like, that's Jordan's blood that you've just gobbed out a phlegmy bloody gob that was as long as my forearm. And it hung on the cage for the remainder of the fight. And it was, it had to have been Jordan's blood and his own phlegm. It was absolutely disgusting. And I pointed it out to a couple of people sat in front of me because I couldn't be the only one to see this. And even they were like, fucking hell, that's disgusting. I lo- this is why I asked if you'd watch the rest, if you'd watch the fight again. I like to think for the last three rounds you was just transfixed on a load of phlegm. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was quite distracting. <laughs> it was huge. It was absolutely huge. And I mean, this thing was so massive it should have had like its own social media account or something. You know, when like things get weird social media accounts, like so and so's dress or so and so's chain. This would be Paul Hughes' phlegm. Should have been, should have, should have its own social media account. It, like, if I was on the, if I was on the camera team for the the Cage Warriors production, I would have got a close up on that. Absolutely, that deserved screen time. Brilliant. Can we talk about Harry Hardwick? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'd, I'm gonna put it out there. Harry Hardwick's the most exciting fighter on the Cage Warriors roster. I agree. I know that he doesn't always get finishes, although I was a little bit frustrated with him because I felt like he could have done had he not been doing the showboating and the putting his hands behind his back and all that stuff. But I I don't know if it was at me or at someone else in the crowd, but again, he walked over again because we were directly behind his corner. And it's going to be another phlegm story. It's not a phlegm story, <laughs> but he, he gave, I, I'm hoping it was for me because I feel like he only has eyes for me, Harry Hardwick. But he gave a little dancey wiggle after the end of the second round. I think it was. He just like George and like and the other cornerman like got in the cage and he had his back to them and was just like facing out to like the the crowd of us that were there sat down and he just gave a little shimmy. <laughs> it was great. He was just loving his timing there, but. As a big Harry Hardwick fan, I couldn't help but feel like, I know you're having fun, and yes, it's entertaining, but I feel like you are so close to actually getting a finish here if you just were a bit more all business and less of the entertainer. But we all love an entertainer. Yeah, so totally. It's, it's, it's tricky, but I, 
I do wonder if uh, if he if he could have actually got the finish there. But Steve Amiable, I mean, God, again, you got to um, applaud the toughness. But Harry was just all over him. It's just relentless pressure. It's just those teep kicks to the body, the one twos, everything. He just the, the body shots. Are all Them Hardwick the body brothers oh. left shots oh. to the body are fucking phenomenal. That yeah, I mean it. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm putting it out there. Harry Hardwick, the most exciting fighter on the Cage Warriors roster at the moment. Give that man a title shot because I don't know whether it would be. I mean, Jordan, I think, needs to take some time and really recover. If Paul Hughes goes to the UFC, you do a vacant title fight between Harry Hardwick and, I don't know, James Hendon or mm. someone else. I, I don't know, whoever whoever's around. I know there's the Morgan Charriers of the world and people like that. But Harry Hardwick... D- deserves a title shot. I think he's so much fun to watch. He's an interesting character. Uh, he's, he's just got such a great fight style. Um, yeah, and and so I'm 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 a big Hardwick fan. We both are on this show. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'd like to see him fight for the belt next. I, I thought it was fight of the night. Um, as much as I was, yeah. you know, it, it was just again, you know, as, as you, you, you touched on how dominant Hughes was, like Harry Hardwick. I love. Like it's that sort of Thomas Hearn style, just wiry, long arms, and like just fires them shots in. His hands looked incredible. Um, it, it just looked like he was having so much fun in there as well. And yeah. and I think you know, in, in who was it that Harry fought last time uh, in in Cage Warriors? That was an insane oh, was an Itali- fight. There was that, yeah, and it was a draw, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like an Italian like, guy, I think, and it was it ended up being a draw in the end, I think. But Harry did did yeah, he, he was Harry just takes shots, didn't he? It's like he's the, he's kind of like a Nate Diaz in a yeah. way. He doesn't have knockout power, it seems, but he will. He's got amazing gas tank. The volume of strikes is relentless. Yeah. He's ripping to the body, teak kicks, all that stuff. And he's got a real chin on him. Like mm. he seems to take three to give six. Yeah. It's like, it, 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 it's, yeah. Again, super exciting to watch. But as a Harry fan, you're like, just be a little bit more defensively sound, please, Harry. And, uh, and maybe just be a bit more all business. But as I say, I enjoyed his little wiggle because right. uh, I felt like it was just for me. Uh, you know, obviously George has got the strap. Get Harry the strap, and then we've 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 just waved goodbye to Nate Diaz. Nick's gone. I want the Hardwick brothers in the UFC. Yes. I mean, yeah, uh, what a time long. that will be. I mean, them oh. two boys are outside of the octagon as well. Utter gold. Like you yeah. know, just I would watch an Osborne style reality show of just at home with the Hardwicks. I like just them two <laughs> bunk beds. <laughs> Half night on a Sunday night, sitting there washing each other's hair. Like I'm all over it. The hard at oh, home with the Hardwicks. Make it happen, Grand Boylan. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> that is it. That's it. Coming soon to UFC Fight Pass. Um, <laughs> uh, right. Well, um, the the other person that was a really really standout. We've already mentioned to me, uh, Colin Lochran. Mm. Oh my God, he looks phenomenal. I mean, he had one moment. One moment where I thought, oh shit, Luke's got him because Luke got him in that kind of like Luke high Shanks elbow we're guillotine. Talking about, Luke right? Shanks, yes. Yeah. Uh, got him in that high elbow guillotine and it looked deep. I think what was saving Cullen was he was so close to the cage that Luke couldn't quite get him round enough. But um, but other than that, Lochran was really, really dominant. He, he sort of mauled him. Um, yeah, I mean, 7-0 and now, as you mentioned. Uh, he looks really special. He looks so athletically gifted. Like, he's got that short, stocky, powerful frame. And he looks explosive, really strong and in, in the grappling. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Exchanges. Luke Shanks is no joke, um, right? No, Luke Shanks. Um, yeah, he's, he's fought for belts. I think he was a former champ as well, but obviously he got down at flyweight, um, and he's moved up to bantamweight because he did have some problems on the scale down at flyweight. But again, when I look at fighters like that, I think Luke is a really, really good fighter. Technically, very good at this level. Like, but Lochran was just, you know, there's some people who are just like athleticism trumps a lot and that 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 kind of again i said that that explosiveness the the um the just the the build on him the the way he can be so dominant in the grappling due to his strength um i think it, it that matters it really does and he's got that way more than what luke had luke looked really unhappy with the stoppage uh, the camera cut away from obviously i'm watching it on on tv like uh i just see i, I don't know if it was goddard or or, or, or uh, i don't know who it was that stopped that one um can't but, remember but he looked very unhappy and then the camera cut to uh, uh, uh away uh was there was there anything after that did he look like you know or, or did luke, kind of... you've just reminded me luke did look unhappy with the stoppage I don't remember thinking it was a bad stoppage. No, not at all. I, 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 have, I, haven't, I haven't watched it back or anything, but I don't remember thinking it was a bad stoppage. Um, so, yeah, I think Lochran was just way too much for him. Like, the, the only moment where Luke seemed to have any real success that I remember was that high elbow guillotine that he caught him in. Yeah. And it looked deep, and he, he, it looked like it was sort of unlucky that he didn't get it, but equally... Lochran was just again just dominant and again seven and oh now I think uh the bantamweight champ is Martin Yoni, the mm-hmm. Italian guy I think um give give Lochran the title shot do, Absolutely. do it now he, he looks ready for it he really really does so uh so yeah and you and you spoke about uh Luke Shanks firing at different weights and sometimes it not going to plan uh one fighter that um we, we were looking, hopefully, by the end of the year to see Oban Elliott fighting for the heavyweight title. Um, <laughs> props to, I mean, for anybody that, uh, that that loves Cage Warriors and listens to this uh, podcast and hasn't checked out our episode with Oban Elliott, go and check it out because it was one of them ones when it finished. Me and Blake both said to each other, that was one of the best chats we've had. It was like, yeah. he's, he's, such a, he's such a character, he's Oban Elliott, and, uh, and fought at middleweight. Um, I'm, I'm correct, wasn't he? he did fight. Yes, he, well, he, he was originally a lightweight. For then what he's welter, had, didn't he? Uh, a fight or two at welterweight. Then he had a catchweight bout at like 178 against Matt Bonner, which yep. he won recently. Mm-hmm. And now he's full on moved up to middleweight. So I don't know what's going on with his diet. I don't know what's happening. But I, he's looking good. I mean, he looked I, good. I don't think I don't think he's a middleweight. I think Sean McCormack looked noticeably bigger, like yeah. noticeably bigger, but. Oban Elliott, I mean that, you know, if you're training with, uh, with with Mr. Shaw, like your wrestling's on point, and he looked very comfortable. I think I messaged you when you was there saying, "Oh my God, like Oban Elliott, he's not looking uncomfortable in a clinch here with a bigger fella." He yeah. was he was bossing yeah. it, and like and yeah, and got a, a you know a unanimous win, uh, and looked super comfortable. I mean, I don't yeah. know as you say if it's. The future for Oban Elliott isn't middleweight. I don't know um, because he could end up meeting more fellas that are, are stacked like that that might be slightly better than, than Sean McCormack. I don't know, but uh, maybe I don't know. Size, I, size matters in MMA, and yeah. uh, I, I think welterweight's probably where he should be. But I mean, how if he can if he can eat all the food he wants and, and put on performances like that? I'm not going to stop him. Can I give you my one criticism of of well, he was, he was due. It he, he wasn't. He, he, the fight was cancelled, wasn't it? Because Skabinski got injured. Like so, right. Oban Elliott wasn't I'm... meant to have fought McCormack. McCormack stepped in quite late for this. Oh really? Uh, okay. So props to him. But was it originally scheduled as a middleweight bout? I'm not sure. I'm not okay, sure. Well, I'm not sure. But I, I, I think I would like to see him back down at welterweight. But who knows? What whatever works for him. But can I tell you my one criticism of Oban Elliott's night? Flem. 
No, it wasn't phlegm related. My one criticism of Oban Elliott's night is he didn't celebrate with the Hulk Hogan kind of poses that he sometimes does. And I think that should be his thing. I yeah. love the Hulk Hogan poses. When he's doing that, I think he should do the music. You know, I'm a real American, all that stuff, even though he's Welsh. I think he should go full Hulk Hogan on it and do all the celebratory moves and all of that. I, I'm a big fan of that. So that's my one. Oban, if you're listening, bring back the Hulk Hogan celebration. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Uh, go on. No, go on. No, I was I just going to say, like, I, I just thought it was an, an incredible event, and uh, and there's a few things that I want I, I want to talk about uh, j- just quickly. Like, props to Grand Boylan because he's he's turning Cage Warriors into something really, really, really exciting yeah. now, and and. I think maybe I was a little bit late to the party um, and it was only really, I guess, during sort of lockdown and, and, and doing this podcast that I've really started to pay more attention to Cage Warriors. And if there's UFC fans that are listening to this that, you know, maybe don't check out some of the other organisations, get your teeth into Cage Warriors because once you kind of get a little like sort of snippet of like who are the champs and what's going on in there, it's such an exciting organisation. And as we know, yeah. it's, you know... Boylan is Willy Wonka. You know, he's got that golden ticket that will get you to the UFC. And, 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 uh, and yeah, absolutely. Can someone and, please mock up a picture of Graham Boylan in all the Willy Wonka outfits now? That would be so good. And a bunch of like Oompa Loompa Cage Warriors fighters behind him. Um, and what's good is if go and watch on Fight Pass this, this weekend's event that we've just been talking about, if you haven't seen it. And as you're watching it, look round the uh, the indigo the O2 and look at all of the people that are on the banners that all of these people that you know you've got you Conor McGregor you know Hardy like it, the list is ridiculous you know there's so many familiar faces you're going to see normally you've got Hardy sort of case side as well commentating always got all your favourite Goddard's always in the in the octagon yeah. ref in it's uh, and am I, um, I don't know if you bumped into it but I see that Meatball was in the house. Meatball, yeah, I had a little hug with Meatball and saw her, and I was—I was, I thought she'd be in New York. She's fighting. We're yeah. going to talk about her in our next episode. She's fighting Erin Blanchfield, a huge fight in in New York at Madison Square Garden, for goodness' sake. And she's there at Cage Warriors. I was like, yeah. why aren't you in New York yet? Uh, but she seems to be very chilled about it. She she seems to be feeling good, looking good, and yeah. So she she was, I think, flying later that night or, or mm. the next morning or something over to uh, to New York. Jai Herbert was there as well, oh, and nice. also. I didn't tell you this. Charlie Cox was there, a.k.a. Daredevil. Really? Yeah, he was there because he's been doing some... I don't know if it's in the lead-up to the new Daredevil series because, like, Disney have got all the Daredevil stuff now away from Netflix. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's because of that, but he um, has been training with Chris Fields over in uh, in Ireland, training MMA. And obviously, Chris Fields had a, a fantastic night uh, coaching his fighters, as we mentioned earlier. The Shelley brothers, James Webb, and uh, maybe one or two others as well. Um, so, yeah, they all had a, a good performances. And Charlie Cox was there kind of supporting them and supporting him and Love watching that. the fights. Yeah. Wasn't there for the main event, though. Probably knew that he would get sprayed by bloody phlegm. Um, yeah, yeah but, uh, absolutely. But I, th- I, mean, I think Brad uh, Walton uh, at one point was like, I think he had quite a a, 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 Larry, a Larry suit jacket on. It was quite white. It was quite pale as well. Yes. I believe it was white. Yeah. And I think at one point he was like, I chose the wrong night to wear uh, <laughs> a, 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 a white jacket. And, and props to Brad Walton. You know, the, the episode that, that, that Brad done with us when he come on the show, I mean, showed some serious vulnerability on that that uh, episode and it was yes. it was a it was a lovely lovely chat and uh yeah what what a what a commentator he is uh always there got the backbone of uh, of cage warriors i'm bigging up cage warriors a lot today you I was, are i mean I know, have you got was... some kind of deal that i'm not aware of have they been <laughs> slipping you some money and what's interesting is uh when he put the strap around paul hughes i know when we spoke to cause the grand boiling episodes are really good episodes when we've had him on just that that bit where he says like he tries to get the the the, the fires to stand still because they oh, yeah. weigh so much and he's worried about the belt might drop and land on their feet and cause them injuries and i think he was just like as he puts the belt around him he sort of whispers in there don't fucking move or something like that <laughs> <doesn't he? laughs> so every time he's putting that strap random he's a terrifying individual his grand boy and i was just thinking i would not want to have grand boy and screaming don't fucking move in my ear roll <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wonderful. Uh, Wonderful. We've gone on way longer than I thought we would about uh, Arnold and and Cage Warriors and everything. Uh, Shall we move on to the UFC from, uh, from Saturday night? Yes, 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 yes. So, I mean, let's jump straight into the main event because that was the big, big talking point, I guess. Uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. I mean, Marina Rodriguez, I think, going into this fight was, you know, already could you could easily have made the case already Marina Rodriguez deserved a title shot. She takes the Lemos fight. Uh, if she wins it, she's definitely the next in line for the shot, surely. She would have been on like a six-fight win streak or something like that. Got big wins over some really great opponents uh, and a split decision loss over Carla Esparza that, from my memory, I felt like should have gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately for Marina, she got pieced up, particularly at the end of that second and, and started that third round where Lamos got the, the TKO finish. Um, Marina seemed to be a little bit disappointed with the finish. Did you have any objections to Herzog stepping in and stopping that fight? I maybe would have given it another five seconds. Really? Yeah, I, I thought uh, Lamos is it, like her fucking striking is just insane. It's it like <clears throat> it's like watching. Uh, it's like when you watch Nunes throw. It's just like, oh, they look like they're going to hurt. And, yeah. and and I think, like, Rodriguez looked a little bit just overwhelmed by it all. I, I, I think Lamos looked so much calmer and so much more in control. Uh, and I think it, it had Rodriguez flustered a little bit. And uh, and then once she started unloading the shots, there there wasn't a lot coming back. But I think there was – she. I think she was in a, a position where – she could have sort of, I don't know. Hers, I could have given it another sort of five seconds, I think. But uh, I've not watched it back. I remember I, I actually woke up and watched that uh, live, and uh, yeah, it was. It it, it seemed for me like, oh, I, I might have given that a little longer. But you know, she lives. I, I didn't day. have a problem with it really, just because I felt like it felt like Marina was just kind of like slightly turning her back a little bit, covering up. It, it didn't look like she wanted to continue the fight or was intelligently defending herself necessarily. So I was happy with the the stoppage. And uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's such a shame for some fighters like Marina Rodriguez. You got Benil Dariush at uh, 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 lightweight and, and people like that, that just, they put together these win streaks and because they're not big talkers or flashy or whatever it is, they don't get the big title shots. They have to really earn their shots at the belt by putting together ridiculously long win streaks. And sooner or later, you'll come up against someone and it just won't be your night. And then you're back to square one. Unfortunately, that seems to be what happened to Marina Rodriguez. She's 35 as well. So I I don't know. Has she got a lot of time to claw that back? Maybe she'll be all right. I, I don't know. Uh, but in terms of uh, Lemos, um, does she get a title shot next? I'm not. I'm not convinced. She's coming off a loss to Jessica Andrade, where she got subbed uh, by that kind of first ever. What was it? A standing head and arm mm-hmm. choke. First ever one of those in the UFC. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the fact that she's got a loss to Jessica Andrade only a few months ago, I don't think means that she can come off this win and go straight into a title shot. Uh, we've got. Esparza versus Zhang Wei Li coming up on Saturday. We'll be talking about that in our pre-281 show. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe she needs another win. And I think um, maybe Lamos can get the loser of this week's title shot. Lamos versus Zhang Wei Li if Carla pulls something out of the bag. But I think what's... <laughs> I, if that's that, going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm, t- I'm tipping my hat to how I think it's going to go. But you never know. You never know. Um, yeah. But uh, but like, or if or she takes on Carla, if uh, if Zhang Wei Li wins, mm. um, I think that could be a really good fight to have. If she wins that fight, then she's next in line. Uh, Yan Jinan is there or thereabouts as well. Yan Jinan coming off of that, that win against Mackenzie Dern, so that's a fight that she could take. I mean, she's just fought someone that was about five or so places in front of her in the rankings. There's no shame in her having to now fight someone behind her in the rankings, like maybe Yan Jinan might be, who may only be like one place behind her in the rankings yeah. or whatever now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would go that route. I think Lamos needs one more, one more good win, and then she can fight for the belt. 
uh, and uh, commiserations to Marina Rodriguez. You got anything you want to say about the fight? No. Um, I, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to shout out. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't want to, because it, the, the, where these fights could end up going, I think he's, he's, he's going to be a, a subject of, of conversation in the next episode because so much is going to yeah. hang on, on, on what happens. Um, there's not huge amounts that I, I want to talk about on this card, um, yeah. mainly because um, I didn't feel it was a super exciting card. And secondly, I really yeah. need to have a, a pee. Um, good, but, good. Uh... <laughs> Com- compromising quality for Stu's bladder. Here we are, folks. I'm getting welcome, on a bit. You know the welcome deal. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. <laughs> but I want to shout out Jake Hadley. Um, who uh, didn't get yeah. the greatest start to his UFC career and uh, and then at the weekend uh, got the submission in round two against Carlos Candelario. Uh And it was, yeah, great. Great to see Jake Hadley get a, a, a UFC win and hopefully that's uh, the start of a, a road to, to more success. Absolutely. And while we're doing shout-outs, I will shout-out Neil Magny because he yeah. now has the most wins in welterweight history. He surpasses GSP for the most wins in welterweight history. You know, he uh, locked up a Das in, in, in round three. A, a good fight that Magny, I think, overall kind of dominated, particularly the grappling exchanges. Uh, Magny's that kind of long-running gatekeeper to the top ten. We talked about it so much, and it's so yeah. true. It's, it's so true. I mean, he's called out Gilbert Burns now. I don't see why Gilbert takes that fight. I mean, I'd, I'd watch it. I think it's a great fight to watch. I'd, I'd be all over watching that fight. No there's problem at all. no reason why Gilbert Burns should take that fight. There's nothing yeah. in it. Like, well, I'd, I'd like to see him take it. I mean, what was his last fight? Was it a win over like Wonderboy or something like that? I can't remember what his last fight was. Uh, or was it Luke or something? No, he's mates with Luke Was it win over Wonderboy, his last fight? Gilbert Burns? Wasn't it a loss to... Has he fought since Chimaev? Oh, good. It must have been Chimaev, yeah. Surely yeah. it was... Uh... Yeah, it must have, must have been Chimaev. Yeah, but anyway, if he... Well, there you go. He's coming off of a loss. Yeah, he beat Thompson and then lost to Chimaev. Mm. Uh, he's coming off a loss. Fight someone behind you. Fight Neil Magny. Uh, but I don't think the UFC will book that, and I don't think Gilbert Burns will take it, because Gilbert Burns is one of those fighters in the upper echelons of the welterweight division we have the same thing at lightweight and all that kind of stuff of people that just go i only want to fight people that are either the masvidals the colbys or the he's not that's the thing magni has not got that pizzazz that they've got he's not got that kind of star quality where lots of trash talk lots of hype around him and like he's not got that side to his you know he's not as marketable as a lot of them names you've just mentioned and and it's a shame because you know as you've just said about that record that's incredible and and he is you know any any boy coming through you test yourself against the man that he's magni and and I, and yeah. I think you know we saw that at the weekend and yeah props guy's a legend absolutely um Miranda Maverick got a really good win as well she's back in the that's win that's a column. great name um, isn't it Miranda Maverick, yeah, it's a fantastic That's name. Such a good um, name. Um, so, yeah, so she's doing well now. She called out Molly McCann. I don't really see that fight happening. I mean, maybe if Molly loses, they make that fight happen. But I, I don't see what's in that uh, for for uh, for Molly, really. Uh, especially if Molly wins and beats Erin Blanchfield. That is a huge win. A lot of people are tipping Erin Blanchfield to be a future title contender. Molly wins that fight skyrocket her up to like you know a number one contender fight or something like that you don't get characters like molly come along very often that seem to capture the imagination of fans and fans all over the world really enjoy watching their fight style but also enjoy them and their personality and the fact that she's got paddy by her side only helps as well absolutely i think she wins against erin blanchfield give her someone in the top five and just see if you can make her the number one contender. Uh, so you wouldn't be going with Miranda Maverick. She's, she's a two wins on the bounce now, Miranda Maverick, but she did lose to Macy Barber and Aaron Blanchfield two in a row there. So she's back on track, which is great for her, but we'll see what happens next for her. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that, Oh, I was really surprised that uh, Marco Madsen uh, lost to uh, Grant Dawson, uh, mm. given you know, Madsen, Olympic uh, Greco Roman wrestler, and uh, DC made a comment on the uh, on on the broadcast that how Madsen wasn't used to the kind of 
low-level kind of takedowns involving the legs than what he would be those body lock takeout takedowns because he's like a Greco-Roman wrestler. But he was out-wrestled by Grant Dawson. I don't know if you shouldn't be comfortable with those types of takedowns because you're in MMA and those takedowns happen quite regularly. But what do I know? Um, but yeah, but, uh, but well uh, done well, to Grant Dawson. One more I want to shout out. Miranda Maverick's a great name. It's not as good a name as Pollyanna Vianna. Uh, <laughs> Pollyanna Vianna uh, against uh, Jingyu Frey. Oh, my God. Like, insane. Like, for, first round uh, KO, 47 seconds, uh, big hands. And, uh, yeah, uh, Frey looked terrified when she uh, was getting yeah. opened up on uh, by Vianna. Uh, very excited to see what's uh, what's coming next for her. Yep. Well, uh, we're close to the hour mark, and your bladder's about to explode. Oh, so, really? uh, we? shall we? <laughs> shall we call it a day? And guys, uh, thanks very much for listening to this and our UFC pre, uh, our kind of build-up show to UFC 281 is either available now or will be available very, very, very shortly. So keep your eyes out for that. Start listening to that and get excited because this weekend's card is absolutely stacked. Adesanya Pereira, Carla versus uh, Zhang, Poirier versus Chandler. I mean, there's loads. Dominic Reyes is back. Molly McCann against Aaron Blanchfield. Frankie Edgar's probably retirement fight. There's a lot going on. Dan Hooker, who I love, is back as well. So, uh, Oh, we've got to talk about Dan Hooker in that episode. Dan Hooker and Easy Training. I want to talk about that because that was very interesting. Can I go to the toilet? You can go to the toilet. Guys, thanks very much for listening and we'll see you on the pre-UFC 281 show. Later. Bye.